Hello and welcome back to Community Connection. I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. This past year has challenged our nation and our community to have difficult conversations about racism, and we need to continue those conversations in order to find real solutions. Our topics of discussion today will be how does the media shape racial issues and influence our beliefs? And to have that conversation, I'm bringing on an expert with more than 40 years experience as an author, researcher, and professor. So I want to welcome Dr. Venice Berry to Community Connections. Welcome, Dr. Berry. Thank you. Glad to be with you. I'm excited to have you here today um, because there's a lot to talk to you about. One, um, I want to know about a little bit about your history. I understand you're from Kansas City. And so I want to know, how did you come to Iowa City? Well, actually, I was born in Kansas City. But uh, I was raised in Des Moines, Iowa. My parents moved to Des Moines when I was five years old. So I've been in Iowa for a long time. I mean, I left for 12 years and moved to Texas, but then I came back. Well, and what brought you to Iowa City? Because you did your master's degree. Was that here in Iowa? I did Iowa? my bachelor's. Yeah, my bachelor's and my master's at the University of Iowa. Awesome. And then you went away at some point and you came back like a lot of people. <laughs> right. I finished my master's and I decided I had to get out of the cold and I wanted a large population of African-Americans and I wanted to be, I wanted a pro football and basketball team. And so I ended up in Houston, Texas and I stayed in Texas for 12 years, Houston and then Austin. Uh, I got my PhD at the University of Texas in Austin. And then I decided that I didn't like the heat. I didn't like the bugs and I was tired of the folks. So I came home. Awesome. Well, I'm happy that you're here and you're a professor at the University of Iowa. Tell us a little bit about that and, and your career there. Um, I came back in 1991 uh, on tenure track um, in the School of Journalism. And uh, I have since uh, switched 50-50. So I'm 50% in journalism and 50% in African-American studies. And actually, uh, last year, I actually became director of African American studies. So um, that um, is kind of the evolution, my evolution here at the university. Here at the University of Iowa, and, and throughout the course of your career, you have various books, short stories, um, and, and some things that I, I actually kind of really researched you and, and uh, didn't realize some of the things that you did. So. Tell us a little bit about that experience um, and, and how that's working uh, in your life, even during the time of, pan of the pandemic. Well, I am unique in the sense that I do creative and academic writing. So um, I have published uh, three uh, novels uh, with Dutton Penguin, which were popular, um, working on my fourth one now. Um, I have published uh, a couple of books on African-American film with my brother, my brother, uh, Toriano Berry, Stephen Toriano Berry. He was a film professor at Howard for 25 years. He just recently retired and moved back to Iowa. So he's living here now. And uh, we did, we wrote two books on African-American film together. And then um, I've also co-edited a couple of books on uh, black culture and experience and media mediated messages in African-American culture. So really just looking at, I call my area African-American cultural criticism. And I've looked at a variety of areas of media. My most recent book is called Racial 
capitalism in the media. Um, the subtitle is Black Jesus, Black Twitter, and the first Black American president. And um, I look at, you know, just images of and messages about African Americans in the media and, you know, how a lot of them become normalized and accepted in our society. Racialism and the media, tell us about that. And so you have the floor. Uh, basically, my exploration of race and media focuses on the stereotypes, biased frames, historical myths, and traditional racism that's perpetuated concerning African-American culture. Um, the nature of racial, racial ideology, um, I argue that it's changed in our society. Yes, there are still ugly races who push uglier racism, but there are also popular constructions of race that are routinely woven into various mediated images and messages. So the example that's on the screen now is a Vogue cover with LeBron James. And you can see very obviously that LeBron and this uh, model have been um, framed in the same way that King Kong on this poster is framed. Instead of the club, he has a basketball. He holds the model in his arm the way King Kong does. And he has his mouth open and he's growling. And this was a very controversial cover because a lot of people argued that, um, you know, it was racist. But I guess I have a question in the sense of what I want to do is question the difference between racism and stereotypes and biased frames and historical myths, because many of us has, have really bought into the mediated ideology on race that is, you know, normalized in our society. So the questions I guess you would ask is, um, you know, indeed was um, the, the person who put this ad together, are they racist? Um, you might argue, why would LeBron James agree to pose like King Kong? Is he okay with racism? Why would Vogue magazine use this kind of image on their cover? Are they comfortable perpetuating racism? And then to contrast against this, I want to show you this image. This image, of course, comes from the Black Panther movie, which was very popular, very prominent. And the interesting thing about this is that in the comic book, and in the movie, the Jabari tribe of Wakanda, where the leader Mbaku, he was called Man Ape. And the, his tribe was called the White Gorilla Cult. And they used loud, repeated grunts of the gorilla during conflict. Now, the interesting thing is that even though the comic book was written by a white person, the, the, a black director and writer adapted that comic book for the movie. So the question is, you know, why didn't they change that image? Are they racist? You know, why would actor Winston Duke play a character where the black man is called Man Ape? Is he okay with racism? So again, thinking about how these images and messages become part of our daily experience and we begin to accept them because they're normal, they're natural, they're what we see all the time. So let me give you a few more examples. Oh, oh before I give you examples, I do wanna explain um, how racialism is defined. The concept in my book, Racialism in the Media, um, I define racialism as um, racial ideas, images, and issues that are produced, distributed, distributed, and consumed repetitively and intertextually. Unfortunately, stereotypes, bias frames, and historical myths about African American culture are normalized in this process, particularly through the media. 
And ultimately, these media representations start to shape and influence societal ideology and behavior. So in other words, we all buy in. You know, we see them so often, we see them everywhere, these images and messages, and so we all start to buy in. Okay, so here's an example of a stereotype, which I don't believe is racist. And it's a Kool-Aid ad, and it says an uh, old school flavor. So it's kind of going back to the old days, and you see the young man and young woman sitting on the stoop drinking Kool-Aid. Now, the problem with this image is under his foot is a basketball which is a stereotype, black mm -hmm. men, athletics, basketball. There's no reason for that basketball to be in that picture. He doesn't even have tennis shoes on. He's not on a basketball court. But somebody, whoever created this ad, felt like it was natural or it was significant for him to have a basketball. Okay, another example, biased framing. This comes from Fox Nation, which of course is, um, has a lot of different examples I can give you. But basically, this was a headline when President Obama was in office and President Obama's held a 50th anniversary, no, I'm sorry, a 50th birthday celebration um, at the White House. And uh, Fox uh, Nation framed that celebration as Obama's hip hop barbecue doesn't create jobs. Now, the interesting thing is we know that for a lot of people, hip hop becomes a negative connotation particularly in relation to black men. Well, and even in relation to black women who were shown as, you know, they're sexually objectified in a lot of those um, videos. But the interesting thing is that all four of these black men are tied to hip hop um, in the sense of, although only one of them is a rapper, Jay-Z. Chris Rock is a comedian. Of course, there's President Obama and then um, Charles Barkley, who's an athlete. But the the, the idea is the framing of this event in a certain biased way. This is a historical myth example. Um, this is Naomi Campbell and she's racing a cheetah and it's the logo of the, um, suit, of the shoot, the fashion shoot is wild things. And of course, when we think about Africa, when we think about, um, we think about the wild, wildness, savage, uncivilized elements of Africa. So again, when you tie that with a black woman racing a treat cheetah and you tie it up to a, a word like wild things, is it racist? I don't think so. I think it's racialism. It's part of how race is used in various situations to create certain kinds of messages and images. And then finally, I see the way I describe traditional racism is uh, from the purposeful um, and malicious perspective, such as the KKK, burning crosses and nooses. Those to me represent tradition. And even the N-word, those are all traditional racism examples, which falls under the umbrella of racialism. I'm not gonna go through this consistently um, through all of this, but I do want to argue that I use um, critical race theory in the book to really show how these exemplars of racialism operate within various productions. And it's important because uh, critical race theory suggests that scholars need to transform the root causes of disparity in various systems, structures, and practices. So now here's another example that I wanna show you real quick because one of the things that happens is not, it's not just images, but wording you know, that we have to pay attention to. 
So this was during Hurricane Katrina, and I see that these are not real clear, but on the left side is a white male and a white female wading through the water. And this, you can't really see it, but this article says that they found food. Whereas when the young black man in the same similar news article, both on Yahoo News, he's wading through water and it says he looted a grocery store. Now, the difference between the two, the only difference is race. One, and, and the black male is said to have looted the grocery store while the white female and the white male found um, bread and, and something else they said. So again, thinking about how words impact our ideology and our behavior. This is another example. Um, some of you might've seen this controversy. Um, these hoodies that were designed by H&M, coolest monkey in the jungle. And they had the little African-American boy uh, modeling uh, the hoodie. Now, of course, we know that the term monkey um, is a negative, has been a negative um, connotation for African-Americans, particularly African-American men in relation to Africa. So when you tie the notion of the coolest monkey in the jungle, of course, African jungles, and you put a young black boy in the hoodie, you're creating a stigma or a bias that becomes problematic. And then Trump called the protesters uh, during the um, um, Black Lives Matter movement thugs, despite the fact that the demonstrations were peaceful across much of the United States. So just the terminology to tie Black Lives Matter protests to thugs creates a certain kind of racial um, and, and racist connection. And then I also, um, in the book, just to give you a couple more examples, I talk about zip coon stereotypes and particularly contemporary zip coon stereotypes. And two examples I give are meet the Browns because the zip coon is basically, he's loud, he's ignorant, he's um, doesn't really understand the English language very well. Um, and Leroy, and he dresses ridiculously like Leroy uh, Brown does in the Mr. Brown, in the Meet the Brown series. Um, also, Chris Tucker can be called uh, a contemporary zip coon. In the Friday um, series, he basically was slow-witted, mumbling, lazy, which is an example, another example of a coon. And in the Rush Hour series, he, you know, um, gave us the bug-eyed look. He misunderstands and mispronounces words. He has a loud, high-pitched voice. I talk about issues of ghetto fabulousness um, and how that is framed as black. You know, black equals ghetto and ghetto equals cool. That's some of the um, commodification of blackness that we're seeing now in the, in the um, industry. And so you have books like Thugs and the Women Who Love Them. Um, you have rappers who are bling blinging, and then you have the Real Housewives of Atlanta who, even though they are of upper class status, they act in a more ghetto fashion with fighting and, and all kinds of craziness that goes on. Now, this is an example of um, advertising. And I really wanted to show a couple of these because I think these are important because they're not, I don't see them as racist, but they are racialism. So this is life cereal, the maple and brown sugar. They used a young black girl and young black boy on the cover. And then on the regular life cereal, they used a white mother and a white son. And then this is an example, Nivea. 
says re-civilize yourself on the left-hand side. And basically um, you have the black man with the short hair cut um, and he's getting ready to throw away his, I guess his normal, his natural hair, which is bushy and, and it's, not, it's not seen as civilized. And of course, when we start talking about civilized, what are we talking about? We're talking about Africa, savage, uncivilized. So again, tying certain words and certain images to race. And then this one on um, Gerber's Chew, which is really interesting. I wanted to put this in because this shows you a problem with framing in the sense that they have the white child sitting in front of the Asian and the black child. And when you position the white child in front of the two uh, minority children, you're creating a kind of, um, um, how do I explain it? You're creating a um, image of superiority, better than, ahead of. Now they did have some other images uh, that were better framed, but this was an example of a problematic one I wanted to show you. And then finally, um, this one, uh, these two examples, I love these two examples because they're, to me, they're challenges to the stereotype. So the mammy stereotype, which is usually a plus size woman who's a maid, who's not seen as beautiful and all that kind of thing. This woman who's advertising pants, pine saw, she is plus size. She's advertising pine, pine saw, which has to do with maid or, you know, cleaning product. But she's in a satin robe and her hair is done immaculately and her nails and her makeup. So she's the opposite of the traditional mammy stereotype. And then on the right side, of course, we see all these negative images of black men and, and uh, their children. But Tide has this beautiful ad of a black man with his child, which gives you an alternative to black men. The stereotype of black men is hoods and, and um, um, criminals and drug dealers, et cetera. I, I did want to show this, uh, these images, because I think these images are really interesting as well during uh, Barack Obama's presidency. The first one is Jan Brewer in Arizona, who, you know, really wagged her finger in the president's face, you know, in front of the media, which of course creates a kind of negative um, image in relation to this black man and this white woman. And, you know, it's almost to me similar to when South Carolina Representative Joe Wilson screamed out, you lied during President Obama's congressional address. This does not happen, um, or it has not happened to white presidents. And so this is one of the issues that I have. Um, but at the below that is an example of a bumper sticker. And of course, this is definitely racism that said, don't renege in 2012. And this had to do with Obama's, um, when he was running for a second term, it says, stop repeat offenders, don't reelect Obama. But renege, we know, has a very specific um, historical and uh, racist uh, perspective. And then finally, the New Yorker cover, uh, the cover of the New Yorker magazine, which I think is an important biased frame in relation to the president, where he's in a Muslim turban and um, Osama bin Laden's, they're in the Oval Office, Osama bin Laden's pictures hanging above the fireplace, the American flag is burning in the fireplace. And then of course, Michelle is, uh, you know, dressed as a terrorist with an AK-47 and they're doing a, a fist bump. 
And again, you know, it's interesting because the New Yorker said they were trying to, this was satire, but unfortunately, a lot of people didn't see this as satire. <clears throat> a lot of people felt like, they already felt like he was a closet Muslim. And so this really confirmed for a lot of our uh, American people that he had some connection with the Muslim um, religion and terrorism. And so I think that we have to be really careful again about the images that we accept and that we promote in our society. Okay, so I'm gonna stop sharing now. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely just appreciated you going through that. Um, and I love this image of the dad and his son. Absolutely. Uh, that's an image we don't typically see. And as I was sitting here hearing your presentation, some of my mind went back to, oh, how have I been, you know, fed images by the media that is registering with me certain ways, right? Um, because media, it, it has like almost taken over, um, you know, in our, in our nation. I mean, watching television and, and seeing commercials or even movies or even books, you know, that's all a part of what we're fed. Yes, absolutely. And it becomes a normal part of life. It becomes something that, that's acceptable, something that, you know, we see as a norm. And so, you know, a lot of times, in my opinion, you know, we ha uh, or someone will yell racism, but I look at it and say, well, is it really racism? Or how do we, maybe there's, we need a more nuanced explanation of what racism really is. Because the other thing that I think is interesting is, as I showed with the Black Panther movie, we buy in too, we create, we use these negative images and we perpetuate them. Look at uh, Medea, Medea's yeah. image uh, that Tyler Perry has created. Um, that's a problematic image. And then Tyler Perry, of course, also created Mr. Brown and Meet the Browns, which is a stereotypical image. But he's an African-American man. And I was thinking about that as, as you had the Meet the Browns and, and um, Chris Tucker up there. Um, I know that Meet the Browns, as you mentioned, was Tyler Perry. That's his production. And so right? there is a point of uh, how can you engage your audience? Who is the audience? Um, and I have to say that I would assume that the majority of the audience for Meet the Browns would be um, black and brown people uh, that really connect with those characters. Um, and, and so it's, it's something that, at least for whatever reason, Tyler Perry thought that would be a good, a, a, a good role, a good character to you know, portray. Um, but I do see some of the problematic things because ultimately we're not the only ones watching it. There's other people Absolutely. watching it. Absolutely. Well, and it also we might think about what are the issues that we should be aware of as we accept these images. You know, as we, um, as our people begin to say, oh, I love Meet the Browns. Oh, it's so funny and da 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 da, -da. But yet they're watching this stereotype and it's a very detrimental stereotype in relation to Black people because Mr. Brown really is very, I mean, he's over the top in a variety of different ways. Right. You know, not only dress and the way he talks, but his behavior, I mean, everything is over the top. And so if you begin to see that as natural when it comes to African-Americans, how does that impact um, how other people look at us? 
Yeah, and and I guess for my for myself as I'm you know thinking through this, I'm now I'm going to be fully aware that these are um, these are not the norms, right? These are not the norms, um, but. Well, some of them are. Some of them are the norms, <laughs> and we need to we need to be aware of that. That some of them are the norms. We see them everywhere. We see them, you know. People show they are created. They're used to create images and messages about African Americans in our society, and we're so busy hollering racism that we miss some of the. To me, some of the most problematic images and messages that are out there because they're seen as normal. They're seen as natural. The little boy with the foot on the basketball. Most people wouldn't look at that and think anything about it. But what it does is it reaffirms this idea about blacks and athletics. Mm -hmm. Even though, like I said, you could tell he probably ain't played a day of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am no sportsman, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yes. Well, thank you so much for bringing the, the images and talking through that. I really believe that the content can help all of us out there think a little more critical about the media images that are entering into our minds. Um, because I think we need to think critically about that and, and a, a little more than just being entertained. Um, the other thing I wanted to know is, what advice do you have for some of the, the University of Iowa writers and journalisms, journalists that come to the University of Iowa because they are, they are a part of the media. Right. And, and the thing is, we can't expect African-Americans to make this change because there's not enough of us in the industry. So we need everybody on board. We need everybody paying attention. So when I teach my classes, I tell my white students and my black students and my Native American and Latinx and, and everybody else, everybody has to make this has to get involved in order to make this change. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. We have to start paying better attention to the images and messages that we're fed. And my research involves African-Americans, but you can do similar kinds of research and find stereotypes and biased frames and historical myths concerning other racist, racial groups like Native Americans and, and Latinx, of other groups like the elderly or the disabled. I mean, there are, there are all kinds of images and messages out there that are problematic and they're not always racist or they're not always uh, prominent, but we should pay closer attention. Yes, I would agree. I think um, images, as you, as you demonstrated, it does make a difference. Uh, words that come out of people's mouths make a difference. What's written make a difference. It enters into the heart of people and some people can't rightfully divide. Uh, you know, some, sometimes when you're looking at a, 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 a picture, it's hard to, for your mind to decipher if that's real or, or if, it's a, if, if it's a movie. You know, sometimes people become very fearful um, watching a scary movie, like literally shaking. And so that's the yes. same thing with media and the words. It, it can become real. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what we're dealing with now with um, our president who incited, you know, them to storm the Capitol. It's, you have to be careful about, you know, the words and the images that you perpetuate and particularly the media because the media has such, I mean, they can reach so many people so easily. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be very, very careful. And anyone connected to that industry has to be very careful.
about the images and the messages that they create and promote. Well, I encourage everybody out there to go and get the book, Racialism in the Media. Thank you so much, Dr. Barry, for being a part of today. I really enjoyed our time today. Thank you. I had a great time, too. Happy Black History Month and happy Black History every day of the year. That's our show for today. We'll be back again with another episode of Community Connection next week. See you then, Iowa City. Mm -hmm.